Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another edition of the Fly the W670 podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. The guys are live from 530 until 10 each day. I started off at 5 o'clock, take you up to 5.30. And, of course, we are the official radio home of your Chicago Cubs, who are limping out of San Francisco. They're back in Chicago. Today is a day off, Crawley. This is Season 1, Episode 20, and we are calling this one a giant flop. Crawley, how are you doing this morning? Doing okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at fly the w 670 at G- and, uh you can we have our own email account, fly the w670 at gmail.com. But yeah, good to see that you and the family made it up to Canada. It looks like you guys had more success than the Kansas City Royals. Yep, very easy process. Uh drove up yesterday, 12-hour car ride. The uh the kids handled it better maybe than the adults. And uh now we get to talk about the uh, Cubs Giants. Unfortunately, the uh the Cubs did not at least get the split, which is what we were hoping for. They did, however, Crowley get to fly the W once, but there were so many missed opportunities in this one. Let's uh, let's take the listeners through it. Let's start with game one, which was back now, it seems like a week ago, but uh, was on Thursday out in San Francisco. Yeah, it was tough. The Cubs were, uh, you know, just riding high. They were on a big winning streak, what, six-game winning streak, and then the Giants were like on a seven-game losing streak. And unfortunately, San Francisco's a tough park to play in, and, and it was... The Cubs, I don't think, gave their best effort in this one. They lose game one, four to two, Justin Steele versus Alex Wood. And it was this was the worst of them all. This was a really sloppy game. Top of the first, Morell walks. Wilson's hit by a pitch. You got two on. Hap strikes out. So you got one out. Then, for some reason, Morell gets caught stealing third, and Suzuki then flies out. So it's just... This is going to be a, a big theme in this game. Just a lot of bad play, uh, base running mistakes, blunders. The bottom of the third, you got one out. Mike Yastrzemski reaches on a fielding air pop-up to Patrick Wisdom. It was simple pop-up, and he doesn't make the play. And give credit to Mike Yastrzemski. He was hustling all the way. He makes it to second on a ball that landed right in front of uh, Patrick Wisdom. Then Austin Slater swings, just an absolute swinging bunt single mistake. It just stays fairs. Now you have runners at the corner, one out. Darren Ruff strikes out. So you have an opportunity to get out of this. Wilmer Flores is up. 
and it looks like a wild pitch by Steele. So it looks the run comes across to score, but Ross challenges it, and it said Flores got hit. So the run comes off the board, and so now you have bases loaded, two outs. Former Chicago White Sox, Yerman Mercedes, the mercenator, uh, he singles, two-run scores, and the Cubs are down early. Um, you know, a lot of questions that kind of start to come through here. Uh, you're, you're looking at Nelson Velasquez. We really liked him a lot, but boy, there was a play that I thought that he could have made. And so uh, what ends up happening, he, he, I don't know, he didn't dive. I don't know if he misread it or ran back. Uh, then you have runners at the corner, uh, Thyro Estrada singles. Uh, Patrick Wisdom was way in on that. Nico stops it. Uh, there's no play to be made, though. The Cubs are down now 3-0. Jock Peterson strikes out swinging and steal through close to 40 pitches in the inning. So you know he's pretty much toast after this. Yeah, that was a, that was a gasser. The uh, that inning, way too many pitches. And I don't know if you were if you took that game in on Marquee Crawley or if you got to listen to it on six seventy. Uh, Coombe had moved over to the uh, TV side, I believe, for that one. And uh, I don't know if you heard it, but Zach's call of the wisdom drop was almost like Ron Santo esque when uh, we had that mishap up in uh, Milwaukee, I believe. And it was the, yeah. oh, no, he dropped the ball. I mean, it was, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how he did that. I mean, it's, he must have lost it in the lights somehow. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. Absolute disaster. And so Cubs, Cubs are now down 3 nothing after that. Uh, Justin Steele is gas. And like I said. Very strange play, play, Crowley. I don't know if you saw it on TV or on radio, but the, Zach with the, oh, no, he dropped the ball. Yeah, I mean, you can't have that many errors behind Steele. It's just uh, unfortunate for him that the, uh, the the gloves and the defense didn't uh, didn't help him out because I think he had pretty decent stuff early on. Yeah, you know, you look at it, it's a misplayed pop fly. It's a swinging bunt single. Uh, you know, it, it was a cheap, you know, a cheap, you know, he hits a batter, a cheap flare, you know, and now you're done. Uh, no one really hit the ball hard out of him. Uh, so you get down to the bottom of the fourth. David Villar reaches on a throwing error by Nico Horner. We'll talk about Nico, but he absolutely had an abysmal series. As great as he's been, boy, did he struggle. Uh, Joey Bart strikes out swinging. Villar to second on a wild pitch slider that bounced off Gomes. I thought that was a rough call to give him the wild pitch. Uh, Yastrzemski grounds out to Schwindel. Villar moves to third. Austin Slater doubles. Villar scores. Cubs are down 4 nothing, and Steele's night is done. Uh, Matty Lee points out that for the first time in the last 10 starts, Justin Steele was out before completing five innings. His pitch count was 84 through 3.2 innings, and half of those pitches almost came into the third inning. So on the flip side, Alex Wood had his best start as Oof, a Giant. He was good. He was good that night. He retired 15 Cubs in a row after the Contreras hit by pitch. He took a no-hitter into the seventh. Ian Happ singles to break it up. And with two outs, Patrick Wisdom hit a two-run homer. He the Cubs are trailing four to two. Defense was great behind the Giants. Mike Yastrzemski robbed Christopher Morell, who unfortunately didn't have a lot of uh, hits in the box score, but really kept getting robbed by all these Giant defenders. Uh, Wilmer Flores robbed Nico on a nice play up the middle. The Cubs' offense, though, was the story: three hits, two walks, one hit by pitch. That's it. Yeah, very, very disappointing. I mean, the only highlight you mentioned at the Wisdom home run, and that was his uh, 50th career home run. So congratulations 
to him on that accomplishment. But yeah, I mean, the bats just aren't there. And, you know, you brought up Nico Horner and we'll talk about him more as, as we progress through this four game series. But yeah, I mean, again, we're going back, we're going backwards, Crawley. It seems as if the offense, when it gets out West is broke. Absolutely. And, and now before game two starts up, Wilson at the beginning of the day for all of us nerdy Cubs types, Wilson scrubbed all the Cubs stuff from his social media, all the pictures, all the everything, anything that mentioned Cubs was off. And so there was mass panic. Some of it was up a few hours later, but uh, the frustration from Wilson boiled over. And you also saw that in this series. Game two was the one time we got to fly the W. The Cubs won this one four to two. Stroman versus Alex Cobb. It was a good pitching duel. Um, you know, Stroman was able to kind of get in and out of trouble, but you know, he just seemed calm the whole entire time. He never felt like, you know, he didn't have that confidence, uh, with two outs and Wilmer Fuller's on first, uh, Brandon belt with a single, a single on a soft bunt. You don't expect your cleanup hitter to really single. You had runners at first and second and two outs. Yastrzemski singles to Ian Happ who threw a one out bullet perfectly and Contreras with a good tag to get Flores out. So that saves a run in the first great play by Ian. It seems like when they do have one of those types of plays, Crowley, that it kind of, it, it, it energizes them, if you will. Like they get that one play on defense and it just really solidifies what they are trying to do and the whole team. And you're right about Stroman. I um, wasn't perfect, but like you mentioned, working out of the jams is something that you like to see. And he's really, you're seeing why the Cubs brought him in and why they invested. He's put a couple of nice, starts it together in a row so good yep. for him absolutely in the bottom of the fourth runners at second and third one out Stroman gets Joey Bart to fly out to Suzuki and Listella to line out to Suzuki so second and third one out Giants can't score and that's going to play big top of the fifth wisdom homers that's his second consecutive homer and the Cubs lead one nothing so two games in a row with homers for wisdom uh looked pretty good top of the seventh and this is, this is one of those things that drive you nuts. The Giants walk the bases loaded. Alfonso Rivas sing, strikes out swinging, and Morrell hits into a double play. So the Cubs do not score in that inning. Takes us to the ninth, where we start to have a lot of action here. Top of the yeah. ninth, one out. Horner walks. Wisdom hits a ground rule double. You got runners at second and third. Schwindel with a high chopper to the... Uh, pitcher, but Nico had a great jump on contact and scored. So now the Cubs lead 2-0. Velasquez comes in to pinch run. Rivas singles. Wisdom scores. Velasquez to third. Cubs up 3-0. Morrell hits a fly to short right. It bounces off the glove of Mike Yastrzemski. So the Cubs get a 4-0 lead, uh, lead, and you still have runners on with only one out, but Bodie strikes out. Contreras strikes out. Bottom of the ninth, the return of David Robertson. He's alive, but unfortunately, he was he was uh, after not seeing him for a few games. He was a little bit rusty. He's rusty, right? right He's rusty, yeah. Crowley. Yeah. So Tommy Lastella doubles. Lu, uh, Luis Gonzalez flies out. Flores homers. It's four to two, but that's all they'll score, and that'll be the final. But Stroman six innings pitch, eight hits, zero runs, one walk, three Ks. Robertson, like I said, a little rusty. One inning pitch, three hits, two runs, one Ks. Cubs had 10 total bases, seven men left on base. Wisdom and Schwindel were both two for three. On the flip side, the Giants' uh, Cobb was six innings pitch, three hits, one run, one walk, 11 Ks. Tommy Lastella, two for five. Belt, two for four. Vossier, two for four. The Giants had 21 total bases, but they had 13 men left on base, so it's good to see another team struggle in that department. 
Right. It uh, goes hand in hand, right? The uh, runners left on base. And yeah, 3 a.m. Tommy putting a little scare into Cubs fans and uh, potentially in that ninth inning. But uh, yeah, listen, it was good to see Robertson back out there, like you mentioned. But, you know, we both said it. He was rusty, but they did. A, they were able to finish the job. Stroman, as you just went through those stats, very workmanlike, um, but it was good enough. So good. Cub, listen, at this point, you're feeling, hey, OK, two games in a split. And the Cubs could have won that first game, had a couple of things gone their way, but they faced a really fantastic pitcher who had great stuff that night. So it's 1-1, and we move into uh, another late night out west, Saturday night, out in San Francisco. Now, before this starts, we get the first trade of trade season, and, and this kind of provides a little bit of controversy. And Dustin, I wonder where you stand on this. The Cubs acquired infield, Zach, infielder, he's kind of utility guy, Zach McKinstry from the Dodgers in exchange for right-handed pitcher Chris Martin. So let it be known, Chris Martin, the first domino to drop. And so the Cubs, they add uh, McKinstry to the Dodger, uh, to the to the roster, so he's with the team. Alfonso Rivas gets sent to Iowa, and they recall Mark Leiter Jr. And so here's the thing. As we talked about it before, Smiley was looking really good the last couple starts. You got trade deadline coming up here, and now you called Mark Leiter, who has started games for the Cubs. The Cubs roll the dice and start Drew Smiley rather than Mark Leiter. And, and here's the thing. If Drew Smiley pitches great, looks like a smart move. If he doesn't, does it hurt his trade value? And the answer is he didn't pitch well. <laughs> yeah, the answer is he didn't pitch well, and so now it looks like it backfired on you. But I don't blame them. I mean, I... I if I would have had a bigger issue if they didn't start him, to be honest with you, because it, it, the only way to showcase you have to, he has to show and they have to show that he actually can get out there, right? The first thing you have to do is be available and he has not been available enough. So if he doesn't go out there, it, it's almost like you're throwing up a flare. Hey, this guy's really not ready yet. So I think they had no choice. He didn't look great, but he was out there. And I think maybe another team is more concerned that he's available than exactly what his stuff is right at this second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But yeah, Drew Smiley up against Jake Juni Jacob Junis. And in the top of the first, things start off really good. Ortega and Contreras with back-to-back -back singles. Suzuki flies out. Hap called on on strike. Horner walks. You got the bases loaded, but Wisdom pops out to end the threat. Bottom of the third, Darren Ruff walks, Austin Slater doubles, and the Cubs are now down one nothing. Yerman Mercedes, who just absolutely torched the Cubs all series, singles to left, Slater scores, the Cubs are down 2 nothing. I really needed uh, Tony La Russa to give Mercedes a negative talking to. I was hoping that would happen. It didn't. Um, <laughs> bottom of the fourth, David VR singers, singles, Luis Gonzalez homers, the Cubs are down 4 nothing. The very next batter, Joey Bart, follows that with the home run, and the Cubs are down 5 nothing. Scary moment in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, Thyro Estrada is at the plate, and Mark Leiter Jr. hits him in the helmet. It wasn't a fastball, but he had to be helped off the field. That was a very scary moment for those of you watching the game. 
Very always, scary moment. Very scary. Yep. Always get nervous on that. But uh, top of the seventh, Jan Gom singles. PJ Higgins strikes out. Bodie singles. Velasquez um, pinch hits for Rafael Ortega. He singles. Gom scores. The Cubs are down 5 nothing. But Contreras pops out and Suzuki grounds out. That ends that threat. And so five to one, you know, the Cubs come into the ninth and they put up a valiant struggle, uh, a valiant effort here. Uh, Van, uh, Jan Gomes hit by pitch. P.J. Higgins, who was MIA for a while, singles. You got a pitching change. Bodie singles. So you have the bases loaded, top of the ninth, no out, and you're down 5-1. Velasquez reaches on a fielder's choice. Uh, it looked maybe like it was going to be at least one, possibly two, but Vossler's throw at short doesn't get Bodie at second and everybody is safe. Gomes scores is five, two bases loaded, still no outs. Contreras grounds out because a double play was not turned. So the giants defense looked a little sloppy here in the ninth one run scores, but you got an out at seconds. The Cubs trail five, three Suzuki grounds out. Morell scores five to four. Hap grounds out and the Cubs lose five to four. So even though the score was five to four and close, it really wasn't for most of the game. Right. Not until the ninth, as you mentioned, right. It was the the one that got away and the two, you know, Crowley listening to you recap and you're doing a great job doing that. You know what I'm hearing? Ground out, ground out. And then he grounded out and then, and then he grounded out. Oh, and then, and then there was a run around and then he grounded. So it's like, come on, like get the ball in the air, find a gap, do something again. It's, it's, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but it's like the offense when it goes out West for whatever reason, I mean, they had that one game out in LA against the Dodgers where they scored a gazillion runs, but it just seems broken. You look at, you know, David Bodie, you know, when you, when you're running down these names of guys and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to David Bodie, but it's like, eesh, like these are not going to be the guys when the Cubs are actually o- even okay again, I don't think are going to be on this team. You're, you're going to see a lot of moves coming up as we reach the trade deadline as, as new guys try to get on the 40-man roster and stuff like that. You're going to see some DFAs of guys. I don't know if it's going to be Bodie, but there's going to be some DFAs we're going to talk about in the next episode, absolutely for sure. But right. I'm only- ready, though. You know what, Crowley? I'm <laughs> ready for some new blood. I want to see some new guys. I want to see if, if what this new, you know, the, the new group led by Jed and there's a bunch of new guys scouting. Um, I want to see if they know what they're doing. It's yeah. time. I don't need to see Ortega. Again, this is no disrespect to these guys, but I, I don't need to see Ortega. I don't need to see Bodie. I don't need to see, you know, Gomes even for that. But I understand they have to have somebody catch. You know, I want to see, put Higgins back there. Let's see him catch. Let, let's see what he can do. Is this is is he potentially a guy that could catch 100 games for you next year, assuming that we don't have uh, Wilson Contreras around anymore. I, I would say I would love to keep Gomes just because I love his pitch calling and the pitchers have gone out of their way to point that out numerous times. Right. Right. So you got Gomes and you got Higgins and that's where you have, you know, you, you need two catchers. And so that does you some good there. Um, but unfortunately, Smiley went four innings pitch, seven hits, five runs, two walks, five Ks, two homers. Lighter looked good, went 2.2, gave up zero hits, zero runs. Other than plunking a batter in the head, he looked pretty good. But the Cubs had 10 hits, 11 total bases, but they left nine men on base. Whereas Ford- Nine men on base. It's, it's Again, another, another thing. I, I goofed around with it a little bit, Crowley, and said, you know, here's another grounder. And then he grounded. You know, we – the drinking game for the fly, the W podcast could be, you know, the, how many guys are left on base? You have to do that many shots. We wouldn't get through the first segment of the show. I mean, it's just left on base runners in scoring position, left on base runners in scoring position. It's the same thing that keeps nagging these cups. Yeah. I don't know how much uh, my liver can take that anymore. I've been mistreating it for a while now, but 
we we look at the Giants on the flip side. Junis went four innings pitched, five hits, zero runs, one walk, four Ks. Mercedes two for three with a walk. And then the Giants had seven hits, 14 total bases, but they only left seven men on base. So that takes us to game four, Adrian Sampson versus Carlos Rodon. I was thinking about you, Dustin, and uh, not not great. And, and it was frustrating as a game is concerned because Adrian Sampson, you know, we've talked about how well he was doing. He was cruising, and the game starts off bad. Top of the first, first batter, Chris Morrell, absolutely jacks one, and Luis Gonzalez robs him. Robbed. It, Maybe a homer, if not at least a ground, you know, at least a double, maybe a triple with Morel's speed. But that's just that just sets the tone. And so we get to the bottom of the fourth. Everything's going great. Two, the only guy that had a hit at that point was Tommy Lastella had two hits. You got nobody on base, two outs in the fourth. And Pat and Ron, I'm listening to this. They're talking about how Adrian Sampson never walks anybody. Very next batter, Lamont Wade Jr. walks. Oh crap. Mike Yastrzemski singles. Dixon Machado, who was just traded to uh, to San Francisco by the Cubs, he comes in. He's hit by a pitch. I mean, this is not a big league hitter by any stretch. You hit him, you're, so you're nervous because you can see that uh, Samson's control is evading him here. And then Jason Bossler, the number eight hitter, blooped a single to left. The Cubs trail 2-0. The next batter, the ninth batter, the catcher, Austin wins. That was the only legit hit of the inning. He hit that one off the wall. Cubs trail for nothing, but you're looking at a walk, a little bloop single, a hit by pitch, another bloop single. It just absolutely killed you. And the Cubs did nothing the rest of the game. You get to the ninth inning, Contreras in what is probably his last at bat as a Cubs strikes out, Hap in what is probably his last Cubs at bat grounds out, and Suzuki strikes out, and that's the ball game. Samson went four innings pitch, five hits, four runs, one walk, six Ks. Uh, six Ks and four, I mean, pretty darn good. And then the Listen, Cubs- Samson, yeah, Samson wasn't the problem, Crawley. Not at all. The offense is broke. Unlucky. I, you know, you, you just mentioned a lot of unlucky little duck snorts all over the place. And I thought when that first pitch was hit by Morrell, I thought, all right, here we go. Just what I wanted. We're going to get to Rodon and they're going to, they're, and Rodon settled in, had a very nice overall night for him and Sunday night baseball. And the Cubs just looked terrible on national TV. Yeah, Rodon, like you said, seven innings pitched, two hits, 10 Ks. Uh, Lastella and Cossier went two for four. Wynn had that two-run double. And it was such a frustrating series offensively, in my opinion, for the Cubs. And I took a look at some of the numbers that are going on here. In the last seven games, right, Ian Happ, 238 average. That's the best of your top four hitters. Seiya Suzuki, 190 average. Wilson Contreras, 150, and Nico Horner was 0 for San Francisco. Had a couple walks with a 125 average in his last seven games. And that has nothing to do, you know, I'm, I've been chirping about how we need to see that guy at second base instead of shortstop. That has, that has nothing to do with it. That's really disappointing for Nico. Nico shouldn't, unless, unless Crowley, you think that maybe the pressure is getting to him now where he is going to be the face of this team. He's going to be the guy, assuming that Ian Happ is gone, which we all think he's probably gone, assuming that Wilson Contreras, as you mentioned, took his last at bat as a Chicago Cub last night out in San Francisco. And maybe he's realizing that he's supposed to be the guy, and maybe he's just not that guy. Maybe he can't handle that. You know, I, I would tell you that the way that I look at it is is uh, Pat and Ron kind of talked about it. This was Nico's first trip back as a full-time 
kind of star player. I mean, you know, he wasn't an all-star, but you could potentially made the case for it. And so, you know, uh, Ron Coomer talked a lot about this, how it's difficult when you go back and there's a lot of distractions. I don't know if that's what it was. Sometimes players end up getting into these little uh, lulls where they struggle. Could it just be that? I, I, I think Nico's going to be fine. I think it was just a, a, a tough series. And hopefully, the you know, he bounces out of it as soon as possible. The interesting thing, though, when we talk about this game is that at the very end, you know, once again, in the dugout, the Cubs were doing their hugs for Wilson Contreras. And, you, you know, that was it. But I had never seen Wilson look so frustrated, so defeated in my lifetime. And he was frustrated. And his comments after the game were very indicative of that. He says, it's, it's, it's been a long day. It's been a long, long, long week, long, long, long month for me. I'm ready for this to be over. Well, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. You can understand why he is not doing Wilson Contreras type things lately. There's got to be a lot on his mind. You're going to have to uproot the family. You don't know where you're going to play. You don't know who's going to pay you. I mean, the good, the good thing he does know is though, he is going to get paid. He is going to go somewhere and get paid. So at least he should, that should help ease his mind a little bit. I would think. And he truly loves this team. And, and I think it's hard for him, but there was some negativity in his press conference yesterday when he's talking to the beat reporters he was talking about how he's been trying his best to help and mentor and do all this stuff. And he said, quote, this team was not made to win this year. Not even close. That's definitely a shot at ownership and management. No doubt about that. So, you know, we sit here right now and, and, and get out of San Francisco. You got the day off, relax. And uh, hopefully the bats come back for San Francisco or for St. Louis. <laughs> 